Regular listener, why not check out our YouTube channel for more Arsenal and general football content? Over there, you can sign up to a Chronicles of Aguna membership, gain access to our exclusive members-only content, as well as our private Discord server. But above all, you'll be supporting me to bring you more content and continue what's been an amazing journey covering the Arsenal so far. Enjoy the show. It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90 Minute Football. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiou. And in case you've been living under a rock for the last two weeks, Arsenal have a huge UEFA Europa League encounter to come, the first leg of which takes place tomorrow. And joining me to preview the game, well, there's quite frankly nobody better. Welcome back to the show, Gostas Lianos. Olympiagos fan, uh, freelance Greek football reporter, has worked for publications such as The Sun, The Standard. He's been everywhere. Um, he's brilliant at what he does, and I'm delighted to welcome him back to the show. Gosta, how are you? I'm great, Harry. Always great to be on your show. Love your show. Thank you very much, man, and uh, great to have you. So we can get some insight um, onto our opponents, because... As an Arsenal fan, obviously, this fixture doesn't bring back happy memories. And... Um, I know we spoke last year and, and you know, when the, the two clubs met and I went out to Greece and I, you know, experienced a, an away win in a very atmospheric ground, followed by a night out in Athens, which was fantastic. And then a night out the night after the game as well, just to, just to double celebrate. Um, but it all turned sour for us at the Emirates Stadium in the second leg. And credit to Olympiagos because I don't think many people gave them a hope at the start of that tie, but they were very tactically um, astute. They were very organized. Uh, they took their opportunities when they came along. And I guess the first question I kind of want to ask you is, are we facing a stronger Olympiagos now than the one that we faced approximately 12 months ago? How have things gone in the last year or so for, for the Greek champions? Some people are going to hate the, what I'm about to say, and they're going to hate me for what I'm about to say. But I don't think this is a stronger Olympiagos Arsenal are going to face. And uh, I believe people could argue they're not, uh, this is uh, Olympiacos this season are not as strong as they were last season. And that's mainly because of the fullback situation. Last season, Olympiacos, um, Olympiacos' tactics mainly depended on Omar El Abdelawi on the right and Kostas Tsimikas on the left. El Abdelawi has gone to Galatasaray. And as we all know, Tsimikas is at Liverpool. And the Olympiacos have struggled to fill in that void because the fullbacks are a very important part of uh, Pedro Martins' plan because of the way they move forward in attack. Olympiacos are a very attack-minded team and they need the fullbacks to help with the pressure and help the wingers up front. So what Olympiacos did in the summer where they had absolutely no uh, preseason, something we're going to analyze later, they got Bayern Munich legend Rafinha as well as uh, a young player called uh, Mohamed Dreger for, the, for right back. 
And then they got Jose Jolevas from Watford at left back, along with the Wolves player, Ruben Vinagre. Now, out of all of them, only Jolevas uh, delivered. And Jolevas was supposed to be... Uh, was, to, was, was supposed to play second fiddle to Vinagre. Vinagre didn't work out. Dreger never really managed to, um, to catch up. And Rafinha was good, but Rafinha is more of a defensive right back. And that's why Olympiacos had to buy new fullbacks. And they got Kenny Lala on the right. And they got Oleg Reabchuk on the left. They've improved. Reabchuk and Lala are giving what Pedro Martins has been needing this season. But it's not as strong. It's not as good. And that's mainly because... Lala and Reabchuk, just like every single signing Olympiacos have had since the summer, never got the chance to um, adjust into the team. Well, they did adjust, but they adjusted on the fly. So to answer your question, I don't think this is going to be a stronger Olympiacos. And, well, maybe they are just a bit as strong as last season, but not, not as much. Obviously, they've, they've brought in somebody that we know very well in the center of their defense, and that is, of course, Sogradis Pavastathopoulos left Arsenal in January to return to Greece. Um, first of all, how was that transfer met in Greece? Because, of course, he's an ex-AEK Athens man. How did that go down? Well, they, uh, everybody, the Olympiacos fans loved that transfer. Uh, he, of course, an AEK Athens legend, I will say this. Uh, but that didn't matter for Olympiacos because they know his career. They uh, they admire it. Played for the in the Bundesliga, played in the Campionato, played in the Premier League, and pretty damn well as well, I might say. Uh, he did wonders for the Greek national team in the World Cup and the Euros. And uh, Olympiacos do have always had a good relationship with him. Evangelos Marinakis, the owner, also owner of Nottingham Forest, always had a good relationship with him. And uh, Vasilis Torosidis, who holds a uh, managerial, who holds a, a top post now within the Olympiacos squad, is his best man. So there was no problem, really. No, he's, he has been welcomed with open arms. He loves being at Olympiacos. He loves being part of the project. And he's going to play a big role in the next few years. Interesting stuff. And, and it's interesting that, you know, we, we talk about him and his career at Arsenal. And, and I agree with you, you know, for the most part, he, he never failed to deliver. You could maybe argue at times that his ability maybe to play the ball out from the back maybe let him down a little bit. And I think ultimately that is why Mikel Arteta decided that he wasn't part of the plan going forward. But in terms of his attitude, his professionalism, his desire to succeed and his popularity around the dressing room, you can't say a, word, a bad word about him. You know, Mikel Arteta has been speaking in the build-up to this game. Even when the player left, he continuously spoke about what an, an excellent professional he was. And, um, you know, I, I'm delighted for him that he's got a move, A, back home, um, and a move that still allows him to compete. Because, you know, for those who maybe don't know a great deal about Greek football, Olympiagos are the powerhouse of Greek football, aren't they? Yes, they are the powerhouse. Now, when it comes to Socrates, uh, obviously he was the one that lost the Larabi during that goal. He was the one that didn't mark him well. He did make mistakes, but obviously Arsenal's defense last season was very error-prone. And it's just like you said, really, when, when a manager tells a player, you're not part of my plans, not necessarily telling them, you know, you're not good enough. You're not a good player. Look at Luis Suarez. Ronald Koeman threw him out of Barcelona like he was nothing. And now he's just, he's owning it at Atletico Madrid. He's one of the main reasons why Atletico might win the title this season. It's not, a manager doesn't tell you you're a bad player. It's just that you don't fit my plans, my game, my tactics. Olympiacos 
threw Rafinha out of the team. But he was good. It's just that he wasn't good in the attack, and that's what Olympiacos needed. If they were more of a defensive team, then Rafinha would have been perfect at Olympiacos. Uh, Papastatopoulos doesn't really have any ill will towards Arsenal. He loved his time there. He still keeps in touch with the likes of Aubameyang, Tzaka, uh, Lacazette, La I think as well, Bellerin. He's still in touch with his former, with his ex-teammates, and they talked about uh, the game that's coming up. The uh, players told him that they're very excited about it, and they love playing in uh, at the Karaiskaiki. They're not, they're not intimidated. There was no such thing as, you know, oh my God, I really didn't want you guys. Oh, you know, we're scared of you. Nothing. They're very excited. They really want to yeah. play Olympiakos. They want to play in Greece. And he also said that uh, at the end of the day, he has nothing to prove to anyone. He doesn't want to prove it. He has nothing to prove to Arteta or anyone else. It's, he, ha- he, he honors his time at Arsenal, but now he's an Olympiakos player, and he told the Greek publication now, last season, we were all sad with the, with the elimination. This season, they can be sad by themselves. Obviously, it was a joke. <laughs> Obviously, it was a joke. No, I, I, I admire that. Look, you, you, you want a, a professional wherever he goes wants to succeed. And, and he said something to um, one of the English publications today, something along the lines of, you know, the friendship is there, but when it comes to progressing, then he's only got one thing on his mind. And that's completely understandable. Um, Costa, tell us a little bit about how Olympiagos got through the round of 32, because it was in dramatic fashion against PSV Eindhoven. And after, you know, there was a concern at one point that maybe the tie was getting away from them. How did that kind of tie go with uh, with PSV? Well, Olympiacos do have a flair for the dramatic, and they've proved it in the last few weeks, scoring a very late goal against Volos with Jan M. Villa, scoring a late goal against PSV with Ahmed Hassan, an impact player coming from the bench, and that's a player Arsenal need to watch out for, because when he comes off the bench, Olympiacos are going to become a lot more... Uh, threatening and obviously Aris I don't know if you saw that goal from Bukalakis but it was hilarious Uh, if you haven't please do check it they do have a a flair for the dramatic and they're the kind of team that don't give up and they can hit you when uh, in in the last few seconds that you can never count them out really that's the kind of team they are now when it comes to Europe Olympiacos as I said are not as strong as last season their passing game is not as exciting as it was last season and uh, there were a few mistakes in defense. Uh, there was a PSV player called Zahavi who scored a total of four goals in both legs. And that was mainly down to the fact that Olympiacos didn't defend well on set pieces. They conceded a total of three goals out of four from set pieces. Uh, so there was an issue there with, uh, with defense. That's something Olympiacos will have to fix. And that's maybe something Arsenal could work on, just get set pieces and hit them this way because a lot of mistakes there. As I said, uh, the passing game was not really up there, but still, but but still, Olympiacos are going to approach the Arsenal game much more differently because Olympiacos are a team that like to play with possession. They like they like to play with possession. They like to play with the lines high up on the pitch. But with you guys, I expect the lines to be deeper, deeper. because that's exactly what Arsenal want. Arsenal want to lure the opposition to their half while they're playing off the back and then find spaces to hit on the counter-attack like you did at Burnley. I'm going to explain it later. But when it comes to the Eindhoven game, I would say don't take too much out of it because Olympiacos, I expect, are going to be much more different. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I was keeping an eye on that one. And obviously I want Olympiacos, aside from Arsenal, I I always love to see the Greek teams do well. Um, But 
then when the draw came about, it was like, here we go again. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I've talked about the, um, the experience of, of the first leg in Athens. The second leg for me, I was in the press box at the Emirates Stadium and I, could, I had a, a load of Greek reporters sitting behind me and their reaction to the goal the, the, the winning goal when it went in was absolutely crazy. And I couldn't believe what was coming out of some of their mouths. And, and obviously I was the only one in the press box that understood what they were saying. And I was just like, I, I was looking behind me. Everybody else was like with their head in their hands. And I was just <laughs> looking behind me in shock. It was incredible. Um, but you, you could see what it meant to them and you could see the passion in that away end at the Emirates Stadium. It went absolutely nuts. And they were, you know, every time they've been to the Emirates Stadium, the atmosphere is, has been unreal. How much of a leveller is it that the that the Garaiskagis will be empty um, tomorrow night? Because I feel like that is something that Arsenal have kind of gotten away with a little bit because the atmosphere there, and I, as I say, I experienced it last year, is incredible. And it's far more atmospheric than anything you'd experience in the Premier League. So mm. I think that is quite a big distraction for Premier League sides when they travel there. So how disappointed are you from an Olympiagos perspective that there is going to be no fans in the ground? I don't think it really plays uh, any role anymore, especially with Arsenal, uh, because... Arsenal have done pretty well at the Georgios Karaiskakis Stadium. They've won the last two games at the Georgios Karaiskakis against Olympiakos. Three, if you add the Benfica, the Benfica match. And as I said, they like the Karaiskakis Stadium. That's what they all told uh, Papastatopoulos. No fear whatsoever. And if we look back, Arsenal have scored a total of 16 goals against Olympiakos in, the la in all of our 10 fixtures against each other, six of which were in Greece. So that's not really an issue. Arsenal won with uh, won three nil with ease in 2015, and there and, and it was packed there, and it was very intimidating, and they did it like it was nothing. So I don't think that plays a role anymore I'd, with Arsenal. I'd argue that was a much better Arsenal team though than the one that you're going to face over these two legs. Definitely, absolutely, but still, I mean. I, I, I feel like the uh, mystique of the Karaiskaki Stadium is not as foreign, not as intimidating for Arsenal anymore. They know it. It's like, it's like Olympiacos. Uh, when Olympiacos have to go and play in Salonica against Pauk when, you know, with a packed uh, stadium full of angry Pauk fans, even if you change the, the Olympiacos team, if you, if you get two-thirds out of the, uh, the team, out of, uh, out of the squad, they're still not, they're still not gonna feel like Tuba is something foreign to them. They know what to expect. And Arsenal would have known what to expect if uh, the Karaiskakis was full. So no, I don't think, um, I don't think the, the, that plays a role anymore with Arsenal. Interesting. Because it's something that from an Arsenal perspective, we talk a lot about. We talk a lot about the, first of all, the distance, because in terms of European ties, when you look at how far the, the trip is it, is, it is significantly further than a lot of the other trips we would potentially have to make in the competition. For us as well, we've got this trip and then we've got the North London derby on Sunday, which is obviously not ideal. Um, so there has been, you know, part of the reason why we maybe didn't necessarily want this draw was because of the distance as well and the impact that that can have. In terms of, from your perspective, what have you made of, of Arsenal this season you know, it's been very up and down. Are they still a team that you look at and, and you probably, I'm not going to say fear, but, you know, in years gone by, you'd have looked at Arsenal and gone, they're the favourites in this because they're the Premier League giants and and you'd naturally make them the favourites. But 
Do you look at Arsenal and take into account what happened last year and think, actually, this is a tie that Olympiacos have a very strong chance of progressing through? Well, one of the uh, things I noticed and kind of bothered me before the Europa League draw is that I saw a lot of my uh, Greek colleagues talking about easy draws. And I wanted to just pull my hair out of my head every time I heard this. I would hear, let's get Slavia Praga. Slavia Praga eliminated Leicester. Let's get Molde. Molde eliminated Hoffenheim. Let's get Granada. They eliminated Napoli. Young boys, they eliminated Bayer Leverkusen. There's no such thing as an easy team at this stage of the competition. There's only teams that are more difficult than other teams. And Arsenal are, are among the toughest. Um, uh, Paul Merson said it best. Arsenal are still a top six club, but not a top six team this season. This season, they're not a top six team. But I feel like uh, the Europa League is the utmost priority for Arsenal anymore. There's not any more baskets really left. You mentioned the North London derby. Yes, that's huge. And you have to win it. You know, you're Arsenal. You have to. You never lose to Tottenham. But when it comes to the table, it's nothing. It's, um, it's not... Can it change? It's significant. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas with the Europa League, you have to win it. You have to win it because if, if you win it, that's the only way to go to the Champions League. Olympiacos are facing a team that's going to see the next two games in the Europa League as finals. They're going to go all in for this. And that's why maybe they're going to be a different Arsenal than last season, more determined, more serious, perhaps because they know this is it. But then again, that brings pressure, doesn't it? Because if you don't do this, that's it. That's the season gone, really. And we, we spoke about it last season. Every time a Greek team gets a Premier League team, I always, I always bet on the Premier League team. But let's think about it this way. If Olympiacos get eliminated, which they probably will, no one's going to care. Literally, no one's going to care. If they go through, everyone's going to treat them like gods in Greece. And the and international press are going to treat them like Cinderella stories or even dark horses, which they won't be. If Arsenal go through, there's not going to be any big celebration in North London, really. But if they get eliminated, can you imagine the back pages the next morning? Yeah, can you imagine Twitter? Can you imagine Twitter a few seconds after the referee's whistle? Yeah, That's the no, question. You're right. And, and there are a lot of Arsenal fans out there at the moment that are, are unsure about Mikel Arteta and if, if he's the right man. And you feel like, obviously, he won the FA Cup at the back end of last season and that earned him some credit in the bank. But that credit throughout the course of the season has been, has been diminishing. It's been disappearing. And, uh, you know, having gone out of the FA Cup at the stage we did, um, finding ourselves so far off the pace in the Premier League, you feel like the noises regarding Arteta and, and a potential sacking will just get louder and louder and, and perhaps too loud uh, for people to just ignore if uh, Arsenal fail at this stage. You know, it's different if you get to the semi-final and you lose to a side that you're not really fancied against, then people will be a little bit more sympathetic. But in the feel like Arsenal really do need to win this and you make a great point about the pressure. Just a quick reminder, um, for those of you watching us in the live chat, make sure if you haven't already that you smash the like button. It is so, so important in terms of taking the video up the rankings, hit the share button as well. If you want to become a member of the Chronicles of Aguna and receive access to exclusive content, the next piece of which is dropping this afternoon, then click on the link in the description. We'd love to have you and make sure you give Gostal a follow as well on Twitter. I'm going to put his uh, Twitter handle in the description uh, for you guys to click on as well. So yeah, make sure you do that. Um, but let's get back to it. In terms of 
Olympiagos' biggest threats? Mm. Who do we have to look out for? I know Yusuf El Arabi is one of them, um, but there's a lot of technical players in and around him now at Olympiagos. So if you were Mikel Arteta, who would you be focusing on trying to stop? I don't think Olympiacos are the kind of team that have this one or two players that if you choke out, that's it really. That's half the battle. I feel like Olympiacos are more of a of an ensemble, really. You mentioned Yusef El Arabi, of course, you know, an incredible goal scorer for Olympiacos, but he needs to be fed the ball. He's not the he's not a Kylian Mbappe kind of player who's going to take the ball and drive it down half the pitch, uh, dribble across everyone fire a shot out of nowhere and score a screamer. He needs a good cross. He needs a good pass. Costas Fortunis is very um, creative, the most creative player in all of Greece right now. If I had to um, analyze this, I would say that Costas Fortunis is probably going to start in the 4-3-3 formation tomorrow. And that's because uh, Martins, Pedro Martins can expect him to find spaces to move the ball around, pass it around, get some good positioning, get a good shot as well, which he's really good at. But it's all going to come down to midfield. I expect Olympiacos to play with the lines a little deeper this time. They're not going. It's not going to be eleven behind the ball like they were at Man City. It's going to be. It's going to be a midfield kind of game. I expect the midfielders Buhalakis, Kamara, and then Villa to be the most crucial players of this match. They're the ones that need to. to to, to, to dominate the tempo of the match. They're the ones that need to keep Arsenal at bay. They're the ones that need to move the ball forward. Forward. Kamara helps uh, El Arabi up front. Bukhalak is kind of a floater everywhere. And Vila is the player with a good, uh, with a good through balls that, uh, that, that find El Arabi behind defenders or any forward behind defenders. But regardless, Olympiacos' major priority, based on what Fortuny said uh, uh, recently is to maintain a clean sheet. I mean, obviously you always want to win, but the big priority right now is the clean sheet. So I really expect Olympiacos to play with the um, their lines a little deeper. And it worked against Man City in Greece. They lost 1-0, of course, but I mean, we're talking about Man City here. And Olympiacos had half their squad out with coronavirus. But it did work. It worked, it worked pretty well. They kept them at bay as much as they could. There was a lot of damage control going through. I expect them to do the same and it could work again. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that. And you mentioned uh, Jan and Villa. He's someone that was linked with Arsenal for years and years. It felt like every single transfer window, he and Julian Draxler and Solomon Kalou were like the three players that Arsenal were linked with every single time. Obviously, a, a move to Arsenal never materialised. What have you made of him since he's, since he's arrived in Greece? Has he been impressive? Absolutely impressive. Uh, an incredible player, an incredible addition for Olympiacos. It's a, it's a great shame that he never got the time he needed to adjust to the team because there was no preseason. I mean, Olympiacos' last season started on July 23, 2019, and it ended on September 12, 2020, with the Greek Cup final. No rest, no preseason, barely any friendlies. I think Olympiacos played a couple of friendlies against Greek teams or something. And he's still been very impressive. He's been um, a maestro, so to, so to speak, in midfield. Definitely one to keep an eye on uh, when Arsenal come and face them. But also the Emirates game uh, might, be the, might be the toughest one because Olympiacos are starting to feel what Arsenal are starting to feel with the Karaiskaikis, like we said before. Yeah, interesting. 
Interesting. Um, I know you had some questions as well. You had some things that you kind of wanted to um, to kind of pick my brains on from an Arsenal perspective, Gosta. So f- feel free, man, to uh, to fire away. No, absolutely, man. I, uh, I, your input is always uh, extremely important. My, I guess my first question is, if Arsenal get eliminated, will Arteta be facing the sack? <sighs> this is a tough one because... For me, in my personal opinion, I don't think he will be. Um, I think that the club have almost accepted that this was going to be a rebuilding season. Um, I think that the club will obviously feel the impact of of not being in Europe next season because it's looking unlikely that we'll achieve that via the Premier League. And if you look at the, some of the statistics that came out yesterday, Arsenal are uh, predicted to finish in ninth place, which just isn't good enough. Um I don't think the club would move to sack Mikel Arteta because, as I say, I think they recognise and they probably understood when they when they brought him in that this was going to be a longer process and it was going to take a bit of time. They also probably take into account the fact that, um, you know, the coronavirus has, has been a, a major hindrance to him, you know, not just from a financial standpoint, but you mentioned Olympia goes not having a preseason. Arsenal hardly had one as well. And, and playing Europa League, playing Premier League. And, and I always talk about this, you know, the turnaround, you know, you play a game in the Premier League on Sunday, you've got Monday is probably mostly about recovery. Tuesday, you're training. Wednesday, you might be traveling. Uh, to your next destination for the Europa League. Thursday, you play. Friday's about recovery. Back on the training ground on Saturday, and you've got to play on Sunday. So if you're a, if you're a, a new manager and you're trying to implement new things and new tactics and new, uh, you know, new things that you want to put um, into practice, I think it's difficult for every manager. But I think a, a less experienced manager probably struggles to to find the right way to balance that look personally I think if if Arsenal fail to progress in the Europa League then I think that there will be serious questions asked and people have a right to ask those questions me personally though I don't think that the club will move to sack him off the back of uh, of a Europa League elimination whether that's the right thing or not remains to be seen um but I, I just yeah for me um I'm not sure that it will have that significant of an impact on his future. But again, you know, if if we do go out and people are up in arms about it, I can understand that as well. I just, I'm not quite on that side of it, but I, I get it. Um, I guess would be my answer to that. I remember on our very first meeting, uh, almost a year ago, uh, we were talking about the next uh, manager to replace Emery uh, while Jungberg was uh, the interim manager. I remember uh, we had Allegri, we had Ancelotti, we had Arteta, we had Marcelino. And I remember we agreed that whoever takes over, doesn't matter if he's inexperienced like Arteta, experienced like Ancelotti, successful like Allegri, a while a dark horse like Marcelino, they need time. They need time. You can't just expect them to to be a quick fix. Is would you say the atmosphere around the Emirates is just that when it comes to Arteta? Just give him time, give him time, give him time, or are they expecting some more? I mean, you won the FA Cup on his first season. That's impressive. But do they understand that it needs more time? I think it's split, if I'm honest. Um, I, I do mm-hmm. think it's split. And, and I understand why it's split, right? Because, you know, you're not talking about Arsenal being just outside of the of the Champions League positions. You're talking about quite a significant margin between where we probably should be and where we are. And and I think most people will agree that for all the, the, the fragilities and the weaknesses that we have in that squad, we're better than 10th. 
you know, we we're better than 10th and, and that's the kind of the bottom line. It's, I think most fans are probably willing to give him that time, but there are a lot that won't. Um, one of which is in the chat, um, Lee Gunner, big hello to Lee Gunner as well. Uh, he's watching us live at a minute. Um, but yeah, I mean, I get both sides of it, but I think as well, you know, I do think that it's helped that there is no fans in the stadium uh, because I can tell you from, from years and years of, of attending the Emirates Stadium that when things aren't going our way, the fans will, will make themselves heard about it. And, and that used to happen to Arsene Wenger, a club legend, somebody who had taken the Gunners, you know, from, from being a good side to a, an unbelievable side, completely transformed the club. And if he got that kind of criticism and he got that kind of stick, then, I, you know, there's no reason why Mikel Arteta shouldn't get that. But it, it, you're right. They do. I do think they need time because I think that behind the scenes, there were so many issues that maybe we didn't really understand were there until they they, they started to show themselves over the course of his tenure. So um, it's a difficult one, but I, I do think it's split. Look, I think if if we crash out of the Europa League and our league position remains quite frankly unacceptable, then you're going to, you're going to have a hard time convincing those people that want him out that, that he should stay. Yeah. I also want to, I also want your take on the, on tactics. Um, as I said, Olympiacos are the kind of team that want to play with the lines high up on the pitch. They're very attack minded. They want to play possession. But if they play this against Arsenal, that's playing their game because Arsenal like to play off the back, lure the opposition over, and find spaces uh, to attack. The Bur- you saw you saw the Burnley goal, and it's I think that's a testament to what Olympiacos need to look out for. Arsenal scored a goal from defense with four passes: Partey to Tsaka, Tsaka to Partey, William Aubameyang. Goal. Yeah. So, I, the way I see it, Olympiacos need to keep the lines deep. They need to push Arsenal to the wings, make sure they don't play in the middle with Edegaard, push them to the wings, but keep the likes of William and Saka out of the box so they can throw crosses that usually go no, lead to nowhere and also lead to good counterattacks. What do you think? Yeah, c- completely agree. That's the way to play Arsenal this season. Um you, you know, as much as Arsenal gave away a goal against Burnley for trying to play out from the back, I, I said it at the time, I said it in the post-match reaction show, obviously Mikel Arteta will be, um, will, be, uh, will be disappointed with the way that goal came about. But I think when he looks back at it, he won't be, he won't be too bothered by it because he sees it as a, as a one-off, as a, all right, maybe not a one-off because it's happened on on a couple of occasions this season, but he sees it as a bit of a, it's an associated risk based on the way that he wants his team to play, right? We've seen Manchester City over the years do it, where they've lost the ball in a key area, um, you know, in the in their defensive third, and they've conceded a goal off the back of it. He will look at it and say that, and, and again, rightly or wrongly, he will look at it and say that actually the benefit we get from playing that way outweighs the negative and and so I think he will continue to do that. But the reason he does that and the reason his team do that is to, is to ultimately suck in the opponent so that they can do exactly what you described. And that is turn the ball from defence into attack within three or four passes. If I was Olympiagos going into this game, in the first leg especially, mm-hmm. I, I would sit back. 
I would sit back and do exactly what you've just said and force Arsenal into the wide areas because you can lump all the balls into the penalty area that you want. But Arsenal don't have a particularly uh, strong goal threat aerially. You know, Aubameyang is not going to jump up like a salmon out of the water and head one into the top corner. Lacazette's not going to do that. Um, the likes of Sogradis, for example, will eat those balls up all day. That's what he wants. He doesn't want you to dribble at him, to try and be tricky and to try and get past him. He wants to be facing the game all the time. He doesn't want to be running back towards his goal. He'd prefer to sit in line with his penalty spot, watch the balls come from wide areas and clear those. And I, and I, I really do think that is the way to play Arsenal because Arsenal's biggest problem, I'd argue, this season has been that they've not been able to break teams down that do that. There's not been a plan B. There's not been a, uh, another idea. And, and when teams come out and play us, we've, we've shown that we can pick them off. But it, it doesn't happen often enough. What I'm saying almost is I think Pedro Martins would be stupid to come and yeah. play high lines against Arsenal because there is pace at Arsenal's disposal. And um, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's, it's as simple as that for me. I, I really do think that he'd be really silly to try and come and play a high line against Arsenal. Um, It's, you know, and I think he's cleverer than that based on what I've seen of him. I think he's smarter than that. And I want to ask you about Thomas Partey because I really rate Thomas Partey. I personally like him as a player, but obviously he hasn't been a success because of injuries, niggling injuries that just won't go away. Uh, And I'm a big big fan of Thomas Partey and I watched the Benfica game and it's when he came on the pitch, when Arsenal were trailing 2-1 and looked like it was slipping away when Arsenal completed the comeback. What do you make of him? I've, I, I, like you, I really rate Thomas Partey. When we signed him, I was really excited about it. I thought this was the kind of transformative midfield player that Arsenal were, were desperately in need of and probably needed for the best part of a decade. And we'd finally got him. Yes, in dramatic circumstances, deadline day, there was doubts over whether the deal was going to get over the line. We got it uh, done. I think when he has played, you can see that there's a massive difference in the midfield of the team. I think for all the criticism that he gets, Granite Xhaka has become a far better player playing alongside Thomas Partey because Partey's athleticism almost and reading of the game has helped prevent some of Granite Xhaka's flaws that we've seen over the years being exposed as often. So, um, yeah, I, I really rate the guy, but the injuries have been a major, major concern. And um, there's no getting away from that. I think even in the game against Burnley at the weekend, I, I thought that he started the game really well. The first half an hour or so, him and Granite Xhaka were very dominant in the midfield. And that was part of well, the main reason, I'd say, that Arsenal controlled the game up until that point. But after that, he drops off. And I I wonder if, I know the fitness has been an issue, but even now that he's supposedly fit to play, I I don't see a Thomas Partey at 100%. I still see a 70, 75% Thomas Partey. And that worries me because we're really struggling to get the most out of this player that we've gone and spent. And by our standards right now, an absolute fortune on And um, I'm not for a second questioning whether it was the right decision or not. If I were in charge, I'd have done the same thing. I just, I'm a little bit worried about it. And um, I feel like we're going to, we're going to need to protect him. Um, And like you said, the Europa League is the priority now. And and I wouldn't be surprised if his game time in the Premier League is slightly reduced now, just to to make sure that he stays fit. I agree. Uh, And speaking of injuries, Olympiacos are going to play with two centre-backs, Usain Luban, Socrates Papastathopoulos, 
which I'm not too sure how fit they are because Ba picked up a problem with his back against um, against Lamia now in the um, in the uh, league fixture. He had to be taken off, but he was taken off mostly as a precaution. Uh, but he's going to play. He's going to start. Papastathopoulos, he injured his shoulder recently and. Uh, he, his facial expressions after a, after each uh, challenge show that he is in a bit of pain. So I'm not too sure how fit the centre-back duo is going to be, but I really like what Arsenal did with Burnley as well, especially with the goal. I liked how William moved to midfield from the wing to pick up the ball. Aubameyang then went to the left uh, to the left wing to replace him. And, and Edegaard played as a false nine. I feel like that's an excellent tactic that could uh, confuse any kind of defense. And that's something that Olbiakos really, really need to look out for. That constant changing of position, that could open up Olbiakos, even if they play deep. Yeah, and it's a great point. And I think that's partly... You know, that flexibility, that tactical flexibility is probably why Arsenal, although the results haven't always reflected it, have, I would say, improved in terms of the football that they're playing uh, since Christmas. You know, Boxing Day was the day where Mikel Arteta almost essentially went, you know, what, F it. Let, let, you know, I'm going to complete, I'm going to change the system. I'm going to bring different players in. Um you know, Emil Smith-Rowe came into the picture. Bukayo Saka moved out to the right wing where he's thrived. And um, yeah, you know, I, I think you're right to make that point. That tactical flexibility and the interchanging of positions has made Arsenal a far more difficult proposition to deal with. I mean, from an Arsenal perspective, looking at Olympiagos again, you know, we've talked a lot about maybe how they might set up, how they might approach the game. Uh, what their tactics might be, uh, the idea of, of playing a little bit deeper than they normally do. I mean, Pedro Martins, how how good a job has he done overall at Olympiagos? Because I know they've had some really good managers in the past. You know, Ernesto Valverde is is one that obviously ex-Barcelona manager that sticks out. But when I look at Pedro Martins's Olympiagos, I look at... Uh, a side that are probably a little bit more tactically aware and a little bit more stubborn. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. But it all started with Valverde. Valverde created an identity at Olympiacos, a European identity, a team that would like to play in a 4-2-3-1 formation, a team that got a European mentality, the right European mentality. When Martins came over, uh, the roots were there, a very some very strong roots. He turned it into a 4-3-3 and he made them more attacking. And... Uh, He's been, he's been doing a great job. He actually, uh, his last victory uh, in the weekend marked his 100th victory with Olympiacos. And let's, let's put it into perspective right now. Olympiacos right now are top of the table, uh, 16 points ahead of Aris in second. They're basically going to win the league. 20 wins in 25 matches with only one loss in, in the Greek Super League. Now, if we obviously the Greek league is not is not even close to the top leagues, obviously. But if you look at last season's champions, Liverpool looks set to lose it. Juventus looks set to lose it. Bayern are up there, but not through yet. Paris Saint Germain, whose league was suspended last season, are trailing to Lille. And all those teams have gazillions in the bank, have world-class players, have a great academy and a great B team to fall into if needed. But Olympiacos, again, in the Greek league, which is nothing like the top leagues, remain consistent. They've only lost once in Greece. They look set to win the league in dominant fashion with 16 points ahead of second. 
They're in the Greek Cup, in the Greek Cup semifinals, and the Europa League last 16. That's how durable they are. They're very tired. Olympiacos is a very tired side, obviously. No preseason, no friendlies, no time for the, for the transfers to come in, no time to heal from injuries. But they're very durable. They're very passionate. They don't give up. That's the kind of team Arsenal are going to face in the next two games. Yeah, brilliant stuff. And um, I, you know, there are some Arsenal fans in the, I can see it in the live chat that are quite convinced that maybe Arsenal are going to win this one quite easily and that maybe Olympiagos have been a little bit overestimated. I don't think so. Um, I don't agree at all. In no, my opinion, yeah. two things are going to happen. Sorry to interrupt you. Two no. things are going to happen. Either Arsenal go through with relative ease, keyword, relative ease, or it's going to be a big 50-50 with a very dramatic ending just like last season. Yeah, I don't disagree. I agree with you personally. I think that it is going to be a tough tie. I think, as you said, I think at this stage in the competition, every tie is difficult. You know, we talked a lot about the Benfica tie in the last round and people were saying, well, you know, this is the worst Benfica side we've seen in, in 20 odd years. But you make a mistake in the Europa League at this stage against the quality of opponent that you're going to face you will be punished. And we were punished and we just about scraped through in the end. Uh, so it's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. We're coming towards the end of, uh, of the podcast. So guys, in the live chat, um, if you've got any questions for Gostas on, on Olympiagos or you've got any questions for both of us on the tie uh, that you'd like to, to have discussed, then feel free uh, to chuck them into the live comments and we'll pick up as many of those as we can. Uh, quick reminder that if you want to become a member, uh, you can click on the link in the description, smash the like button on the video if you haven't already. And if you're listening via the audio platforms, then be sure to leave us a review as well. It really, really uh, does help. Um, let's go over to some of the uh, the comments now uh harry one of our members says please no drama i can't cope with it convincing arsenal win please uh matt g's got plenty of uh respect for olympia he says they are top of their league by around 15 points they're used to winning this will be a tough match i completely agree um marshall says great show fantastic uh somerset Gunas says harry thanks for always being positive um regarding the arsenal as opposed to rubbing our faces in the dirt um <laughs> I, I know we touched on this earlier, Gostas, but the question coming has come in again. Olympiagos on set pieces, just kind of reiterate what you said. I know you said that they're probably a little bit weak there and maybe that's an area Arsenal should look to expose. The problem is, Gostas, that well, we're not very good on them either. <laughs> I've, no, uh, I've noticed that, but uh, as I said, Olympiacos conceded three of the four goals against Eindhoven from set pieces, from this, and it was from the same player as well, Zahavi. And that's what I've been thinking. Every, when I watched Olympiacos, I was thinking, if Zahavi is causing you so much trouble, how much trouble is a player like Aubameyang going to cost you? You just cannot keep those players unmarked. Olympiacos, Olympiacos' defense will have to be a lot more serious, a lot more tough, a lot more strong in the uh, next two coming matches. And as I said, like Ba and Papastathopoulos, I'm not too sure how fit they are. But when it comes to set pieces, yeah, that's one way to, uh, to hit Olympiacos. But Arsenal, of course, will have to improve on that front. That's for sure. Uh, Martin says, Gostas, who do you think will go through? He wants you to put your <laughs> neck on the line here. Go for it. I got burned last season, didn't I? <laughs> I got um, burned good. I can't remember. I can't remember what we even predicted last season. I just, to be honest, I don't remember much of what happened after the first leg um, for the next 48 hours after that, because uh, I was it's living it best. up. <laughs> yeah. It's for the best. Just forget about it. Let's just, you know, let's just put it in the past where it belongs. Exactly. Oh, Jesus. That's a very good question, Martin. As I said, uh, 
it's either going to be Arsenal through with relative ease or it's going to be a big 50-50 again, just like last season. Olympiacos cannot be ruled out. They're, they're very confident, not overconfident. They are very confident in their abilities. They're not afraid of Arsenal. Pedro Martins is a top manager, and I think uh, everybody in England needs to keep an eye on him because he could be coming to the Premier League in the near future, and he would deserve to be there. Olympiacos also have players that we could see in the Premier League real soon, such as goalkeeper Jose Sa, centre-back Hussein uh, Ba. Centre-back Ruben Semedo, the best defender of Olympiacos, who won't be playing in either leg because of injury. But Olympiacos didn't have him in the Emirates. So, you know, yeah, he's not there. It's a shame, but doesn't really mean too much. Midfielder Mati Kamara as well, one to keep an eye on. He could be, he was linked with Sheffield United. And Costas Fortunis as well, who Pep Guardiola praised highly in the the, uh, two games against Olympiacos. Arsenal are the favourites to go through Martin, but not by much, in my opinion. Good stuff. Um, this is a, a slightly different question, but it's an interesting one, nonetheless, from mm-hmm. Patrick. It says, any news on when fans will be allowed into the stadiums in Greece again? Now, we've been told here in the UK that from June, I think it's the 21st, everything will be open yeah. again, back to normal. Um, is there any indication as to when that will be the case in Greece and fans will be allowed to return? Well, basically, when I hear dates of returns and dates of this and that during a pandemic, I always I always take it with a pinch of salt. We remember the whole "by Christmas" comment thing from uh, uh, the prime minister. Hopefully, by the summer, you know, we're all going to be back into our good old lives. When it comes to Greece, there's no set dates. You know, anything can happen. As I said, cases have risen in Greece recently. We expected that because of the variants. The vaccines are going to play a big a big role. Patrick, I don't want to lie to you. I don't know, man. But, but you know, if Greece get... Greece are hoping that by May, all elderly and all people with underlying health conditions will, be, will have been vaccinated. So I don't know, you know, hopefully by the end of spring, early summer. But as I said, I don't know. Those are just... Uh, that's just me th- thinking out loud. Yeah, it's it's very difficult to say, isn't it? Because the, the situation is constantly changing. Um, Al Cup says, uh, I've got a question for Gostas. Any talents in the Greek League to look out for in the future? So you've mentioned some of the, obviously, the well-known talents at Olympiagos. Is there anybody that is kind of maybe going under the radar a little bit now, maybe with a bit of potential that could potentially uh, find their way to, to another league in the not-too-distant future? Well, Harry, uh, there's Christos Zolis, uh, for whom I wrote a feature at The Sun recently. He, he was recently uh, linked with uh, Manchester United. Uh, he's a very talented uh, forward, mainly plays on the wing. He can play in centre forward as well. He's very versatile. He's been linked with Arsenal. He's 19 years old, if I'm not mistaken. So he's got a lot of future ahead of him. So there's an exciting talent to look out for. But obviously, if a team like Man United or even Arsenal buy him, Let's start with the under-23s, let him just find his bearings, and then have him move up the ranks. But a very exciting talent. I do not want to say if they're going to be the next big legend of Greece, because, you know, we've had lots of them who went nowhere in Greece. But definitely want to keep an eye on. Christos Zolis, he plays for Pauk. Brilliant. Um, Jay Dubia says, uh, great pod, Harry. Question, who do you think will be our front three for this game? I think it will be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang through the middle. I think it will be Bukayo Saka on the right. And I wouldn't be surprised if Willian 
starts on the left. It's not what I would do. Um, I would probably go with Pepe, but I think that's what Mikel might do. So, um, yeah, don't don't kill me for that because I know a lot of Arsenal fans don't want to see Willian in the starting lineup. But that's what I think he might do. And you're asking me who I think will be the front three rather than who I would pick. So that would be my answer. Um, we've got four, an Olympia two, three, one though, right? Yeah, four two three one four, for sure. Two, three, one, yeah. yeah. Um, we've got a. Uh, it looks like an Olympiagos fan here who says, hoping this year we can go to the last eight of the UEL. In my opinion, Olympiagos can go much further if they overcome Arsenal. So. Chances of of Olympiagos going that little bit, you know, if they do get through this tie, how confident are you that they can go to the very latter stages of the competition? Olympia, uh, sorry, a Greek legend, legendary footballer, Demis Nikolaidis, once said that Greek teams cannot go too far or even win a European team because they don't have too much depth in the squad. As I said, Olympiagos are a very tired squad. Uh, they've been playing pretty much nonstop since July 23, 2019. That's, I'm not too sure. I guess the draw is going to play a big part. But then again, as we said, no such thing as uh, easy teams. Maybe if if Olympiacos go through, which is a big ask, and they draw uh, the less, the least difficult team, then I guess if they play the first game away and then the next game at the Karaiskakis, I wouldn't hold my breath. I wouldn't hold my breath. Um, Alex says, uh, Gostas, is Cesc Fabregas your cousin? <laughs> I've heard that so many times. I never get old. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. You made seen... my day, Alex. You made my day during lockdown. You did a good deed today, Alex. <laughs> you did a great deed today. That, that comment's been coming in from a number of people, by the way, throughout the stream. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I've been I'll... getting that since day one in England. Day one, 2010. <laughs> Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll pass you off as Sesk and we'll do an interview with Sesk <laughs> one day. Um, you never know. Uh, Banos, a fellow Greek and one of our members, says, uh, "Costas, where's the frappe?" I'm not a big fan of frappe. I like um, I like uh, Fredo cappuccino. That's the that's my drink. They're that's not too different, but I'm not a big fan of frappe. That's the uh, yeah. That's uh, I think in. From what I've understood, when I go to Cyprus, everybody drinks Frabe. When I go to Greece, everybody drinks Fredo. So, yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what else have we got here? Um, Brad Richardson asks if, and I, I know you've already said that Arsenal are the, the favourites here, but he asks about Sogradis' knowledge of Arsenal. How important do you think that will be in terms of Olympiagos' preparations for the game? Olympiacos are not favourites, regardless, as, uh, as you rightfully uh, pointed out. Uh, when it comes to Socrates talking about Arsenal, uh, Bruma, Olympiacos winger who could start tomorrow, claims that Papastathopoulos has told him a lot about Arsenal. But when Papastathopoulos was interviewed here about sharing knowledge, he said he didn't say much to Martins because Martins, he said that the coaching staff are brilliant and they already know what they need to know. Uh, but definitely, definitely, you know, anything he can bring into bring to the table is going to be very, uh, very important for this match. Absolutely. Absolutely. And going away from Arsenal, just for the, the for the final question, um, it's about a Greek player, someone that's come to the Premier League, hasn't really had a look in just yet. Yeah. Uh, but Kostas Tsimikas, of course, at Liverpool, um, Marshall wants to know if you rate the player. Obviously, he's an ex-Olympia Gosman, so you'll know plenty about him. Tsimikas is a brilliant player, in my opinion. He was man of the match in uh, the Emirates game uh, the last time uh, the two teams met. Obviously, he hasn't played for Liverpool because of injuries and he got sick with the coronavirus. But then again, 
Jurgen Klopp didn't buy Costas Tsimikas so he can start him three times a week. He bought him as Andy Robertson's plan B. And Andy Robertson is one of the best left backs in the entire world. There were, nobody expected Tsimikas to play much. This makes sense, what's going on. I'm sure he's working hard. I'm sure he's listening to Klopp. I'm sure Klopp hasn't given up on him because at the end of the day, as we said, he was just looking for a plan B and he got him. Everybody has been injured in uh, Liverpool's uh, defense pretty much. Robertson hasn't been injured, thank, uh, thankfully, for Liverpool. If something happens, and which I hope it doesn't, then Simikas will have to play, uh, will have to start at the left. But as we said, he's a plan B. He was never supposed to uh, play every week. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, just a quick reminder before we leave you guys, make sure you uh, hit the like button. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're new. Just a couple of quick comments that I can't just ignore. Um, <laughs> Ale- Alex, who asked about the drink, he says he's Greek too. Glad you like the question, Gostas. I'm a Frabe man and my family is from Birea. This tie hurts. <laughs> there you go. It'll be and, all right. Uh, and uh, Johnny Boy says, a friend recommended Tolmades and Musaka. Do you guys know anything about them? Gosta, what's your f- you can have one or the other on your plate in front of you tonight. What are you choosing? Dude, I'm taking Tolmades. I don't like Musakas. I, I am such a weird Greek. I am such a weird Greek, man. I, am, I do not like Musaka, but I love Tolmades. I could eat them every day, all day. What about you, man? Yeah, I, I think I'd go with the same. I think I'd go with Dolomites as well. There we go. There you go. Now you know about our eating habits. You know about Arsenal versus Olympia. It's uh, a great time to leave it there. Costa, how can people follow you on social media and keep up to date with the fantastic work that you do? Thank you very much, Harry. Uh, guys, you can follow me at at Llanos Costas. It's my surname and my forename, Llanos Cost, at Llanos Costas on Twitter. I'll be very glad to have you over and I'll be bringing you uh, the best information that I find and the best analysis as always. And I hope to see you soon uh, as well, Harry. Hopefully we can talk about the uh, next match as well. For sure. We definitely will. And we can talk about, we can talk about the first leg we can review it and then we can look ahead to the second leg and then we can review that as well. Uh, always a pleasure to have you on. So uh, we'll definitely uh, keep in touch and get that. I'll all, be covering the game for the sun, both games as well. So yeah, definitely. We're going to review this. Brilliant stuff. Make sure uh, that you check out the sun's coverage of the game because your main man, Gosta here will be on duty. Uh, right. We're going to leave it there. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Don't forget um, to share it around. Uh, get as many uh, people listening as uh, possible. Of course, Gosta's given us some incredible insight on Olympiagos and what they will bring to the table in this two-legged tie. We'll be back very, very soon. Until then, take care. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.